Good morning. Welcome to Bowling Springs Baptist Church. This is the day the Lord hath made. Let us be glad and rejoice in it. As the summer heats up, so do the announcements. So bear with me for just a few minutes. Um, we welcome today Christopher Stroud. He will do our message in song. He is our new uh, Bob Beeson scholarship winner. So please welcome him after church if you haven't already as he shares his message through his song. The flowers today are placed in our sanctuary this morning in honor of the 61st wedding anniversary of Tom and Mildred Poston by Tom on July the 15th. Um, congratulations, I don't see Harry or Brett here, but if you see them, Harry and Brett won the bronze medal in golf in the National um, North America, excuse me, North America Special Olympics this week in Seattle, Washington. So give them a shout because that's quite an honor for them. This is the day that we worship the Lord. We, I ask that you open your heart to his message and listen. Thank you. Thank you. 
If you would, please join me in our congregational call to worship. Psalm 28, 7. The Lord is my strength and my shield. My heart trusts in, in him, and I am helped. Therefore, my heart rejoices, and I praise him with my song. Our hymn of praise is number 56 in your hymnal. Guide me, O thou great Jehovah. Number 56. If you are able, please join me and sing, stand and join me in singing. Thank you.
morning once again. Welcome to Boiling Springs. Before I pray this morning, I do want to mention, I apologize, one more thing. Um, if you have your CDL bus license with passenger endorsement, we would love to talk with you about the possibility of any availability that you might have to drive our on occasion. And so if that would be of interest to you, and if you would uh, have those qualifications and desire to do that in any way, please talk with me or with one of the staff members, and we would be delighted to have that conversation with you. So just wanted to mention that. Please continue to be in prayer for Jane Stroud. Uh, Jane has had some serious lung issues and uh, was just recently released from Duke Hospital, but is, remains in the Raleigh area with her son and hopes to come back this way uh, if doctors give her that blessing to do so uh, in a few days. But be in prayer for her as she continues to struggle there with some lung issues. We have a large uh, banner or uh, card, in a sense, that's made from paper that's on the wall in the office hallway. And we would encourage you to go by there and uh, write a note to Jane. And we'll be sending that to her sometime soon. I don't know if that'll be... Oh, it's out here now. Okay. Ellen said it's just right outside the door here. So uh, if you have time to do that after the service, I know they would love to hear from you. And also continue to be in prayer for Irene Green. She fell and is at home recovering. She did not have to have surgeries or did not break anything. But Irene Green fell earlier in the week, and she would very much appreciate our thoughts and prayers at this time. We have others that I have found out about this week, or excuse me, this morning, that have had some recent um, health issues and incidences uh, this week. And so uh, just always be mindful of those around us and those within our church family, Sunday school classes or uh, others that need our prayers and thoughts and love at this time. Will you join me in prayer this morning? God, we thank you for your presence in our lives. We come before you at this hour confessing that we are totally dependent upon you in every way for health, provision, safety. We confess we often try to deal with the complexities of life on our own and in our own strength. And Lord, for this, we ask your forgiveness. On any given Sunday, Lord, as we come together to worship, we know that we sit among and share a pew with others who are facing great difficulties and trials. And Lord, we acknowledge that today is like any other Sunday when we come together with those facing these difficulties and trials. For those that maybe are quietly dealing with grief, Father, we pray that you would comfort them today. Lord, for those that are dealing with issues related to work, related to economy and money, Father, we pray that you would be the great provider, that you would be the good shepherd. Father, we pray for those today that are dealing with relationship issues, whether it be in their family or community or workplace, friendships, whatever it may be, Lord, we pray that you would lead and guide and direct and that, Father, you would be ever-present as we deal with the complexities of relating with one another. Father, we ask this morning that you would bless each of us with your peace, that you would bless this place, Lord, with a, a great awareness of your spirit. And that, Lord, our hearts and our minds would be open to allow you to speak to each of us right where we are this day in the midst of the things that we may be faced with as we gather for worship. Father, bless each one here, the longtime member, the one that's here for the first time. And, Lord, may they feel your presence in this place today. Bless the songs, the words that are spoken through prayer, the sermon, the text as it's read today. God, you have permission to do a mighty work within each of us. Take ordinary men and women that are in this room and Lord, continue to fill us with your Holy Spirit and grant to us, Lord, a sense of purpose and meaning 
that as we leave this place, we'll take into our homes and in our workplaces and into a world that desperately needs to hear the good news of Jesus Christ. We're thankful for the testimony of bold examples that we have in scripture throughout history and still today who are boldly proclaiming the message of Jesus Christ and his love for everyone. It's that message we sing about and preach this day. In Jesus' name, amen. Our next hymn is found in the order of worship or also on the screen. So if you would, please stand and join me in singing Grace Alone. the children to come forward for lesson on the steps. Stella, how are you today? Are you good? Glad to see you. I want to read a portion of what Reagan read this morning. The Lord gives me strength. He is like a shield that keeps me safe. My heart trusts in him and he helps me. My heart jumps for joy with my song that I praise. Pastor Keith's going to talk today about needing strength. And sometimes we need a lot of strength 
in our day when we have problems that we can't handle, can't we? Sometimes problems are easy, sometimes problems are hard, and we miss things. We don't know exactly what to do. But we've been talking for a long time about what we need to do when we need strength, and that's what? Well, who do we need to turn to? We need to turn to God, and how do we do that? How do we turn to God? We pray, that's exactly right. Well, I brought my favorite ball here, and it's gonna be you with your problems. And this is gonna be you with your problems too. Now, if we don't talk to God and we don't pray, what do you think's gonna happen when I drop these two balls? James, what's gonna happen? Do you know what's gonna happen? What's this ball gonna do? Is it gonna, is it gonna bounce? Yeah. yeah, right. Okay, so that's you when you trust God. Oops. What happened to my ball? It's flat. So I sort of think that's the way we'll be if we can't trust God, flat. And you trust takes a long time. It doesn't just happen overnight because when you ask God for something to help to protect you or give you strength or answer your prayers, he doesn't just do it like that. We have to learn to trust. We have to learn to pray and talk to God so that our life is not flat as a flitter here, but more like my glow in the dark ball right here. It bounces back. So when you face your problems today and tomorrow, remember that you want to go bouncing like a ball, listening to God, trusting God will answer your prayer, not when you're ready, but when he's ready. When we have problems, we just talk to God and he's not gonna let us go flat like my red ball. He's gonna let us bounce like my bright ball. Okay, let's pray. Dear Lord, this is your day and these shining faces are your children. And as church members and parents, families, we say thank you. Protect them, Lord, as they go into the world every day. Give them strength to understand, trust to believe, that you will walk with them no matter what, that you will protect them and guide them, and you will be their strength, their shield, whenever they need you. Lord, as children, they are learning. As adults, we are also still learning to trust and believe. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. As we take a moment this morning to pray before we take up our offering during this service, I would ask that each of you would take just a few seconds, and I'm gonna give you just a few seconds, to sit in silence, to pray, to meditate, to ask God what God would have you give this morning, whether it be money, whether it be time, or your talents, whatever that may be. Take just a few seconds and pray silently to God this morning.
Our God, you have heard our silent prayers. Our prayer this morning is that as we come to this time of our worship to you, that each of us would be open to giving. We can give in so many different ways and areas of our lives. And we ask this morning that that you would give us a sense of direction of how you want us to give. Lord, you have given us more than we deserve, and for that we are forever grateful. My prayer is that each of us would reach into our hearts and give as you would see fit for us. May each of us give back to you with our love and our praise and our worship to you and our love to others as well. It's in Jesus' name that we pray, amen. My name is Caroline Tipton, and I will be reading a few select verses from Acts chapter 6 and 7. 
Wherefore, brethren, look ye out among you seven men of honest report, full of the Holy Ghost and wisdom, whom we may appoint over this business. But we will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word. And the saying pleased the whole multitude, and they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Ghost, and Philip, and Prochorus, and Nicanor, and Timon, and Parmenas, and Nicholas, a proselyte of Antioch, whom they set before the apostles, and when they had prayed, they laid their hands on them. Just a short summary of the beginning of chapter 7 is, At this time, Stephen, full of faith and power, did great wonders. Then there arose some who disputed Stephen, who encouraged men to say, they heard him speak blasphemous words against Moses and God. Stephen was seized and brought forth before the council. Then the high priest asked if these things were so. Stephen's response does not seem to answer the high priest's question. Instead, he gave a masterful detailed defense of the Christian faith from the Old Testament and concluded by condemning the Jewish leaders for rejecting Jesus. When they heard these things, they were cut to the heart and they gnashed on him with their teeth. But he, being full of the Holy Ghost, looked up steadfastly into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing on the right hand of God, and said, Behold, I see the heavens opened and the Son of Man standing on the right hand of God. Then they cried out with a loud voice and stopped their ears and ran upon him with one accord, and cast him out of the city and stoned him, and the witnesses laid down their clothes at a young man's feet, whose name was Saul. And they stoned Stephen, calling upon God and saying, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And he kneeled down and cried with a loud voice, Lord, lay not this sin to their charge. And when he had said this, he fell asleep.
Thank you, Christopher and Roger. Christopher is our Bob Beeson Scholarship recipient for this year, and um, he was with us just a few months ago and may, can, may be with us again uh, in the future as well. Not only maybe one more, but several more times, but Christopher and family, parents as well, we're glad that you're here with us today, and so uh, welcome. Also, Caroline, thank you for reading um, a long two passages. I, I talked with uh, Caroline and her sister this week, and they were talking about who might be available to read this Sunday. And I said, well, there are two chapters. And I said, if we read everything in those two chapters, basically we would just, for the sermon time, read all those verses and say a prayer and go home. Uh, but, uh, but Caroline, you did a wonderful job. Thank you for setting the stage for us this morning to talk about a, a difficult subject uh, of Stephen and his stance before uh, these religious leaders. Several months ago, the congregation may remember a particular Sunday when I referenced one of my favorite books uh, from uh, over the years, and it's an allegorical book with a character named Much Afraid, and the book is called Hind's Feet on Hind Places. And I know after I referenced this book and we talked about it in length one Sunday in a sermon, there was, I know, at least a couple of you that purchased the book and began reading it for yourselves. And if you haven't, I think what I need to do is just get several copies of this book, have them in my office, and when I talk to people, especially about going through difficulties and trials, is to hand out a copy of this book because it's, it's an allegorical book. It's, it's a story, a fictional story that has great meaning and significance uh, about difficult times. But it's a story of a girl named Much Afraid who goes on this journey to the high place. And this journey to the high place, as most of us recognize with life, uh, takes different twists and turns. We all have a destination or maybe some things we'd like to accomplish and see happen in life. And uh, you know, some of you know better than I do that things don't always work out the way we hoped they would. And sometimes the journey to where we would like to be is far more, dif far more difficult than we had ever imagined. And uh, Much Afraid finds this to be the case, but she is transformed along the way because of her journey with the Good Shepherd, is there right with her every step of the way. And sometimes she can't see the peak, she can't even see the destination where she is going towards, 
because she's going off over this direction or the good shepherd has her, the good shepherd is taking her over here, but she does finally arrive at the high place and her, she is transformed. As you and I are also, we go through our difficult times and as we continue to remain faithful and trust in the Lord, we have our own transformation, if you will, as well. And her name was transformed from much afraid to grace and glory. The verse that goes along with this book, it's based, the, the theme of the book is based around a, a verse in Habakkuk 3.19. The Lord God is my strength. He, is, uh, he makes my feet like the hind's feet or the feet of a deer and he makes me walk on high places. You and I can relate, I think, to the character in this book this morning, Much Afraid, because we are also uh, on our journey and we are also faced with difficult situations. Uh, hopefully, we are not like the character that we're looking at today, Stephen, in that uh, we have religious leaders that want to stone us. Uh, I don't want to stone any of you, so be so relax about that this morning. But we, we, we're not faced with anyone wanting to stone us, although we are faced with other difficulties. It may be that we are walking with grief. And, uh, and by the way, in, in the... Uh, the hind's feet on hind places, the two companions that Much Afraid journeys with are sorrow and suffering. And she journeys to the high place with these two companions. And so that makes the story very interesting as well. But our difficult situation, again, may not, may not be uh, a stoning, but it may, again, be grief. It may be there's a relational issue at home that is, is proving to be quite difficult. Maybe there's a relational issue at work or within family or with, among friends that is just providing a great sense of difficulty right now in your life. It may be that the economy or job, uh, there, there's some life situation right now that is, that is the great difficulty, but it's the one thing that is in common for each of us is that we know what it's like to have difficulties. Um, I've heard it said before that we're either in the midst of a difficult situation we have either just come out of a difficult situation or we're getting ready to go into a difficult situation. And I think um, those in the room this morning would very much be in agreement with that. I wanna back up before we move in to talk about Stephen this morning, back in chapter five, because as we work our way through Acts, as we talk about men and women in the book of Acts, it was written by Luke, the gospel writer, it, we would be amiss if, we did not, if I did not mention before just moving on something very significant in Acts chapter five. Um, we know of Peter and John and the difficult situations they faced when they stood up and boldly proclaimed the message of Jesus Christ. On more than one occasion, we see where that almost cost them their life. We see it again here in chapter five that were it not for the wisdom of uh, a teacher by the name of Gamaliel, you and I may not be sitting here this morning, we may not have the text that we have in front of us, and there would be a lot of things that would be different had Gamaliel not spoken up when he did. Back in chapter five, at verse 33, Peter had been given another defense in speaking before the leaders, and it says, when they had heard, but when they, but when they heard this, they were cut to the quick and intended to kill them. Talking about Peter and John. We see the same thing in chapter seven about Stephen when he was before the religious leaders and they're being cut to the quick and intended to kill them. They did follow through with that intention with Stephen. But we see here once again with Peter and John, the religious leaders were cut to the quick and intended to kill them. But a Pharisee named Gamaliel, a teacher of the law respected by all the people, stood up in the council and gave orders to put the men outside for a short time. He addressed the leaders, and so later they came back with this response, or Gamaliel did. In verse 38 of chapter five, he says, so in the present case, I say to you, stay away from these men and let them alone. 
If this plan or action is of men, it will be overthrown. But if it is of God, you will not be able to overthrow them or else you may even find yourself fighting against God. Two guys, Peter and John, that knew what it was like to face difficult times. We're thankful for men like Gamaliel and women as well throughout history that have stood up and things could look different had these individuals not stood up when they did in the defense of those who were taking the gospel forth. But when it comes to difficult times, the scripture's not lacking for individuals for us to look at and study. We could go to the Old Testament, we could go throughout the New Testament and see numerous examples of difficult situations that men and women were faced with. This morning, our main character in our text is one who was empowered by the Spirit of God. So much so, he was the first among many throughout the centuries that have given the ultimate price for what they believed. Stephen is known as the first martyr. And I find it interesting in the painting that we're looking at this morning. This is a Rembrandt, and I found the, the reason, one of the main reasons I wanted to use it, it was the first signed painting from a young Rembrandt when he was 19 years old. And I think it's interesting. I don't know what his faith was like. I haven't studied Rembrandt, but to think that a young 19-year-old uh, uh, painter that was just beginning uh, painted, this was his very first painting, was the stoning of Stephen. And you see Saul there in the background sitting down and uh, as the scripture talks about the coats that were laid at a young man named Saul. But today we're looking to a story where the main character, Stephen, had tremendous faith in his difficult situation. We are introduced in chapter six to Stephen as the choosing of the seven. Many of you who have been in church for years know this chapter of Acts to be uh, what we believe to be the first deacons, the first leaders of the church. And there were seven appointed. They said, we should, why should we forsake the teaching uh, to wait on tables? Some of the, um, the widows were being neglected in the distribution of food and it was brought to the disciples' attention. And so they anointed and set aside, consecrated, ordained, if you will, seven men of character uh, to help them in fulfilling these obligations. And not only did they serve, but we know from Stephen and, and what happens, what transpires as we go through this, that they did not just serve tables, but they also preached and they also taught and were great men of wisdom and knowledge. But we're introduced to Stephen in uh, verse uh, five here of chapter six. It says, the statement found approval with the whole congregation. And so they chose Stephen. And immediately the text tells us a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit. And so we see here where Stephen um, goes on to um, uh, take a great stand and, and is, is, involved in, is involved in teaching. It's obviously here in the story that those accusing Stephen of speaking blasphemy are running a smear campaign against him. If you look down to verse 11, they secretly induced men to say that we have heard him speak blasphemous words against Moses and against God. And they stirred up the people, the elders and the scribes, and they came up to him and dragged him away and brought him before the council. And they put forward false witnesses who said this, uh, this man incessantly speaks against this holy place and the law. This was a big deal to stand up and to have these false witnesses say this in front of the high priest. And Stephen uh, continues to give, again, a bold defense of the gospel. Stephen gives leaders, he goes on to, uh, is, they're accusing him of this, and in, in a sense, in his defense, your chapter seven may say, in, ahead of it, Stephen's defense. And so you have here, this is what we are choosing not to read all of this morning, but you have 60 verses in chapter seven. And Stephen stands before these religious leaders, and he begins to walk through the Old Testament, starting with the story of Abraham, 
going on to Abraham's children. He goes on to Moses. He goes on uh, to Moses's, uh, or excuse me, through the, the generation with Abraham. He leads up to Moses and, and the plight from Egypt. And he continues to walk through the story of the Old Testament, reminding the leaders that he is no uh, uh, common man in the sense of knowing, not knowing the Old Testament story, which was important to the people that he was standing in front of. And so he is reminding them of this. And, and, and this is just Keith talking here, but I think he was doing great. I think he was beginning to convince and maybe possibly beginning to, to it, for it to be a good thing until he got to the latter part of chapter seven in verse 51, when he begins to say this, he says, you men are stiff-necked. Now, things are starting to turn here, you know. It, he's telling the story of the Old Testament, and now he's starting to call the religious leaders names who he's standing in front of who could put him to death, and he knows this. But he says, you men are stiff-necked and uncircumcised in heart, and ears are always uh, resisting the Holy Spirit. You who are doing just as your, your fathers did. And this is not enough. He continues in a way that's not for his benefit. He says, which one of the prophets did your fathers persecute? They killed those who had previously announced the coming of the righteous one, whose betrayers and murderers you have now become. Now, things are starting to take a turn here pretty quickly for Stephen. Uh, in verse 53 of chapter 7, he says, you who received the law as ordained by angels, yet did not keep it. He's telling the religious leaders that you are not keeping the law. As you might imagine, this is not going to go well for Stephen. And then we see in the latter part of chapter 7, it says, now they heard... Uh, this and again, just like they were with Peter and John earlier, they were cut to the quick, is the way the scripture, my scripture words it, and they began gnashing their teeth at him. And it finally got to the point here in chapter 7, um, uh, in verse 57, they cried out with a loud voice and covered their ears and rushed at him with one impulse. They could not continue to listen to what Stephen was saying, it was infuriating them. And so they covered their ears and their anger began to increase and they just rushed at him and then uh, began to stone him and to put him to death at this point. It's not likely, like I said earlier, that we will face what Stephen faced uh, with stone-faced situations. In chapter seven, Stephen is giving the religious leaders of the day again a history lesson. And we see, if we were to read this this morning, uh, if you would encourage you to, to maybe look at it this afternoon, we see here a contrast between the patience of God and the judgment of God. We know God to be, and I will continue to preach and always teach and preach that God in his patience and his long suffering is forgiving and merciful. And we see that as we read through chapter seven in the Old Testament. But we also see where God is becoming impatient. And we ask, and I ask us this morning, is there ever a too late with God? In verse 42 of chapter seven, God turned them away. And we see that as we read uh, verse, verse 42. At the end, they thought Moses uh, had deserted them at one point. If you remember back in, I think it's in Exodus, they thought that Moses had deserted them, they made a golden calf, and they were rejoicing in the work of their hands. They were saying, hey, look what we've done. We've built this. We don't know where Moses is. He's gone off to worship the Lord on the mountain and he's disappeared. We don't know where he is. We see that in, uh, summarized here in chapter seven. But they're saying, look what we've done while Moses has been away. And as you know, over, as you know that didn't go over too well with Moses upon his return. In verse 48, it says, however, the Most High does not dwell in houses made by human hands. The number one problem they were guilty of was that they found their fulfillment, their joy, their warmth, and what they could make 
with their hands, with his golden calf. They wanted a God and a kind of worship that would let them demonstrate their own power, a radically self-centered form of worship. In this, Old Testament history, in this Old Testament history lesson, we learn there had been consistent disobedience on behalf of the people of Israel. I need to set this stage before we go into talking about strength in difficult situations. There had been consistent disobedience on behalf of the people here in the Old Testament. There's a problem when we have resisted him so long that we wake up and the gracious feelings of guilt are no longer there. I think for the people in the Old Testament, there were times when this was the case. They continued down a path of their own making, worshiping false idols, and this sense of guilt, this sense of conviction that they were following something that was false had begun to slip away. It's a dangerous thing to play games with God. The greatest danger is to wake up one morning and have no will to repent anymore. The Old Testament prophet Jeremiah uses an example in his book there in the Old Testament saying that our sin has become so much a part of who we are that it's like the spots on a leper in Jeremiah 13, 23. How can this leopard remove his spots? He can't, only God can. But he's, he's, he's saying that our sin, that the sin of the people here in the Old Testament had become so much a part of who they were, it was like, we could reference and say, it was like the color of our skin. It was like the spots on a leper. It was like certain things that cannot be changed. It was a part of who they were. I would say that the God of the Old Testament and the New is not eager to give up on anyone, and we need to remember that. The two things that we need to remember that will help us find strength in difficult situations. Stephen is faced with a situation that most of us, hopefully all of us in this room will never be faced with. But two things we need to remember that will help us find strength in difficult situations. Number one is hear and remember God's story of faithfulness. Hear and remember God's story of faithfulness. It's important that when we gather as God's people that we hear how God has worked and moved in each of our hearts and in each of our lives. As I've been here for over two years now, I look out across the congregation and I see Many of you, and I know your story far greater than I did two years ago, and I have heard of God's faithfulness in your life, and I can give testimony, as you have shared with me, about God has brought you through, whether it was breast cancer, whether it was some other cancer, or some illness or difficulty in your life, and you've given me testimony, you've shared about that. That's something that I've heard, that's something that I have remembered. And I think as God's people, as we go through difficult times, we need to remember, we need to hear others share their story of God's faithfulness in their life. And we need to remember the Old Testament scriptures. We need to remember the New Testament. We need to remember all of God's word and how God remains faithful to his people. He may not answer and act in ways that we would have preferred, but nevertheless, we can, like Stephen, as he's given testimony of God's faithfulness to these disobedient people in the Old Testament, we can also give testimony of God's faithfulness. It's good to hear those stories. It's good to share those stories as we move forward in our faith journey. The second thing that we need that will help us find strength in difficult situations is we need to heed the warning to not find our ultimate fulfillment in the work of our hands. In verse 48 of chapter seven, we learned that as Moses disappeared in the Old Testament, we could read the story in detail in the Old Testament, but we read how the people began to say, where is Moses? And they began to form and worship uh, golden calves and false idols. 
It's good to find fulfillment. Let me back up and say it's good to find fulfillment in the work of our hands. I enjoy what I do as pastor. Hopefully you enjoy what you do as uh, wherever you, where, whatever you work, but it's good to find fulfillment. It's good for me too sometimes to, um, in ministry, you can't always, always see exactly what's going on uh, in, in, in people's lives spiritually, but I enjoy sometimes uh, outside of ministry at home, whether it's in, in our home or, or doing something physical, whether it's mowing the yard, you can look back after you have sweated and toiled uh, outside in the heat and humidity, you can look back and see a yard that is now mowed. You can take some paint and put it on the walls and you can see what has happened. But we do not need to find our ultimate fulfillment again in the works of our hands. Our church can be one of two things. It can be a tent of meeting in the wilderness where others can meet God and have that fellowship with God and worship and grow together. Or we, if we are not careful, our church could also become a golden calf where we say, look what we've done. And we find the joy and the contentment in what we have been able to accomplish. As we move forward in ministry, I want God to show up and do some mighty things in my life in the ministries of our church, think about our music ministry, we think about our children's ministry and our youth ministry. I want God to do some things that we are incapable of doing. I want God, the spirit, to come and to dwell in our hearts. I want God to burden us for the things that burden his heart, to break our heart, Lord, for the things that break yours, so we can offer hope to the hopeless, rest for the weary, and love for those broken and crushed in spirit, grace, forgiveness, mercy, and healing. Let me ask the question, where can we draw strength for difficult situations? We've talked about the fact that we, again, may not be faced with Stephen's trial this morning, but yet where can we draw strength for our difficult situations? We talked about this this morning in our men's study. I want to encourage you, if you would like to, to grow and learn more on prayer, to join us on Sunday mornings at 8 in the LEC. But where can we draw strength for difficult situations? The first thing I would like to say is through prayer. Jesus said in Luke 21, 36, but keep on the alert at all times, praying that you may have strength to escape all these things that are about to take place and to stand before the Son of Man. First thing we need to do is be honest with God in the midst of our difficult situation, whatever it may be, whether it's health, whether it's relationships, whether it's grief. We need to be honest with God. We need to talk to God about those things that we're struggling with. And there's nothing like a heartfelt cry in prayer. The answer may come in the time that we had hoped, but most likely it will not. And it may not take the form, and it most likely does not, that we hoped that it would. We talked about that this morning as well. When we cry out to God and he begins to answer, a lot of times it's not in the exact way we hoped that he would. But in the message translation of this verse I love, it says, so whatever you do, don't go to sleep at the switch. Pray constantly that you will have the strength and the wits to make it through everything that's coming and end up on your feet before the Son of Man. Let me ask you this morning, how is your prayer life? Do you have a prayer life? It starts by talking to God. We've heard some formulas over the years in church and we could share those and talk about those more later, but um, just begin talking to God, taking some time to be alone, uninterrupted, where you can just simply pour your heart out to God. If you're going through a difficult situation, this is the place to start this morning. We can also find strength for difficult situations through his word. Psalm 119, 105 said, his word is a lamp for my feet and a light for my path. Isaiah 48, the grass withers and the flowers fall, but the word of our God endures forever. The scripture can speak to us like nothing else can in the midst 
of our difficult situations. So we learned that through prayer, through his word, but also through doing something that none of us like to do, and that is being patient. Through being patient, we can find strength for difficult times as well. Romans 5, 4, Paul writes, endurance develops strength of character in us, and character strengthens our confident expectation of salvation. One of my favorite verses in relationship to being patient in the midst of difficulties comes from Isaiah 40, verse 28 through 31. It should be on the slide. Isaiah writes, do you not know and have you not heard? The everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth does not become weary or tired. His understanding is inscrutable. He gives strength to the weary and to him who lacks might, he increases power. Though youths grow weary and tired and vigorous young men stumble badly, yet those who wait for the Lord will gain new strength. They will mount up with wings like eagles and they will run and not get tired. They will walk and not become weary. They will wait for the Lord and will gain new strength. There are some of you in here this morning that need some new strength. You've been faced with a difficulty for some time. You've been faced with this trial, this difficult situation for some time and you need to hear these things this morning about prayer, trusting in the word and being patient. We can also draw strength through the church, his people. In Hebrews, it speaks of, uh, the author says, do not forsake the assembling of yourselves together. It is here where we experience Christian fellowship. It is here where our attention is drawn to the Lord through worship, through teaching. And it's here where we have uh, opportunities for service as well. 10 years ago this summer, as we think about drawing strength from the church, 10 years ago this summer, I was finding myself in that very in that very place and having that very need in the midst of some very difficult situations that I was going through. It was 10 years ago this summer, it started back in May, that I found out that I had to have a very serious eye surgery. And so just a few days later, I found myself at the Duke Eye Center in Durham having that eye surgery and hearing from a doctor that I would never see well out of my right eye again. That was pretty tough to take. In a few weeks after that, as I was recovering from my eye surgery, I got one of those calls that you never want to get one of those calls that can take you to your knees in a hurry. And it was the call from my dad saying that he was on the way to Mission Hospital in Asheville, that my mom was being airlifted to the emergency room there. You know something serious when you get a call saying one of your family members is being airlifted to the hospital. I did not know how serious, dad did not know at the time either. And so I immediately got in the car, our family did, and we went to Asheville. And four days later, we had to make some very difficult decisions. Uh, decisions that um, took my mom home to be with the Lord. So I went from eye surgery to dealing with uh, a death in the family. Only in the midst of all of that, I was dealing with some ministry transition as well. I knew this, not a lot of other people knew this, but I was in the midst of some transition. And so if you've ever been in school, or I know um, if I can mention Dr. Cullinan as I do sometimes, I know sometimes they give out the stress test in schools. And at the top of that stress test, you know, you, you have that give you the most points is a personal health crisis the death of a close family member, and a job transition. I think those are pretty much at the top of that list. And so one of the things that helped me in the midst of this difficult time 10 years ago was prayer. And talking, I could talk to God about these things and I could say things in a way and, and speak with God in a way where I felt complete. 
honest and you know, complete trust in that God is on my side here in the midst of this. And if I was angry about things, if I was questioning things, I could talk to him about that. And there was a great sense of freedom and peace in being able to do that. I could look to his word, but one of the things, again, going back to this point, I could draw strength from the church as well. And I felt that from people who worshiped God, walked with God, and they were on my side. They were saying, Keith, I'm praying for you. I'm sorry for what you're going through. I know it's a difficult time. And they were right there with me in the midst of that. So we can draw strength through the church. And lastly, we can draw strength through his spirit. Paul in Ephesians 3, 16 and 17, he says, I pray that from his glorious unlimited resources, he will give you mighty inner strength through the Holy Spirit. And I pray that Christ will be more and more at home in your hearts as you trust him, trust in him. May your roots go down deep into the soil of God's marvelous love. As we walk with God through our difficult times, as we draw strength from his word and from others and from prayer, do our roots go down deep in the soil of God's love? Can we know in the midst of the horrible, difficult situation that we're involved in that God's on our side, that he loves us and that he cares for us? And just like much afraid in the story of the hinds feet on hind places that the good shepherd is walking beside of us when we seem like we're going away from the place that we want to go and when life is just seems like it's chaotic, do we feel and do we know that the presence of the good shepherd is there and is seeking us to look to him, to trust him, and to walk with him as we take this path. Let me conclude with two things. First of all, let me say, I don't know where you are or what area of your life you need to find strength today, but let me challenge you to do two things that were evident in this story of Stephen. Very simple things. These are not great profound statements I'm about to make here, but two things that we see in the life of Stephen that will also help us in our difficult times. Number one is have faith in God. Don't think that you can handle everything on your own. We see the people in the Old Testament, again, and in, 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 in that Stephen, or Luke summarizes in chapter seven of Stephen speaking, and that you know, Moses was gone, they started building the golden calves. It, it, it wasn't making sense to them. Something needed to be different. And a lot of times we can, uh, we can depend on our own skills and our own uh, ways of getting things done. But we must always remember, we must always look to God and have a simple faith and trust in God that we, excuse me, and, and not to think that we can handle everything on our own. And the second thing is we must allow his presence to fill us, to manifest itself in us, to show itself in you in new, in you and me in new and powerful ways. As we work through, uh, we're not gonna go through, you, you see here, we've been in Acts for a couple months. We're not gonna go through every chapter, every story in Acts in great detail. We'd be there till next year at this time. But as we continue on the path that we're on for now in Acts, as we look to men and women who were empowered and filled with the Holy Spirit, we see here the difference that that makes in their lives. Some of us go through the Christian life or, or go through seasons of the Christian life where that spirit is not as evident as it should be in our lives. And my hope and prayer that as we work our way through Acts, we will see evidence of men and of women who are filled with the Holy Spirit, who allow the Spirit of God to move and to work in their lives. And I hope that that would be the same for you and me as well. If you're not a Christian, if you're not a believer, I would ask this morning that you would allow the Spirit to come into your life for the very first time. Also, if you are a believer, and it's hard for the Spirit to be alive and active in your life, I would encourage you to do what others have encouraged me to do over the years is to do a little personal inventory in your own heart, in your own life, and to see if there are areas of disobedience 
if there are ways that um, we are not walking with the Lord and trusting in him each and every day. We profess faith in Jesus Christ, but yet when it comes to certain areas of our life, Jesus can have control of these, but usually in, there's, with some of us, there's certain areas where it's harder for some than others to give up and to give full control. And so I asked this morning, would you allow the Holy Spirit of God to move and to power you? I heard a few weeks ago that I want to begin talking more about seeing our, our children and our youth uh, not only growing in their relationship with the Lord, but my hope and prayer that would be in the coming months and years ahead that we would have some youth who would say, you know, Pastor or Alan, you know, or come to a leader in the church and say, you know, I'm beginning to feel a call of God on my life and I don't know what that looks like and I don't know what that means, but I ask that you would pray for me about this. And that would be my hope and prayer, that, 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 that those words could possibly come from some of our children and our youth in the days ahead. Will you join me in prayer? God, the story of Stephen certainly reminds us of a tremendous faith. Lord, there's none of us that will hopefully again have to stand where Stephen stood today. But Lord, help us to cry out to you and help us to realize that we cannot pull through our difficult times without you. Forgive us for being too dependent on ourselves and our ability and help us, Lord, strengthen us in our walk with you. Help us to put you in first place in our lives. Lord, we love you and we confess that, Lord, we're all in this journey together. We're all seeking to be the spiritually mature disciple that you would have us to be. And so, Father, lead us among those paths. Teach us more about what it means to seek your face in prayer. Teach us more about what it means to know and to study your word, to depend upon and look to the church, Lord, for times of, of growth and teaching. And Father, teach us more about what it means to live with your Holy Spirit alive and well in each of us. God, have your will and way, not only at this time, but in the coming days in each of our hearts. We ask this prayer in Jesus' name, amen. If you're here this morning and you desire church membership, We'd love to talk with you about that. If you have other needs that um, you would like to talk about, the altar is open. Let's stand and sing together. Number 58.
Before we leave this morning, you can remain standing just for a moment. Um, I would like to present to you a um, possible new member for Bowling Springs Baptist Church. And you're wondering, well, where is this, where is this member? This last week, uh, Dr. Cullinan uh, introduced me to someone. Her name is Devron Helgeson, and I think we have her picture on the, on the slides there this morning. And I have asked Dr. Cullinan to come up and say a, just a very brief word about this friendship and about a little bit about her situation. Uh, but she desires membership in our church, but um, Devron is in Cleveland Pines currently. Uh, we'll be going home soon, but uh, is desiring membership in a church family. And so, uh, Dr. Cullinan, I've asked her just to say a, a quick word about Debron. About 10 years ago, when she started coming to the Bible class that I taught at, at the association, she also volunteered with us. Um, she's had a struggle with cancer and congestive heart failure now for about a year. Um, and as I've ministered to her and we prayed together and so forth, um, she feels, as do I, that the Lord is leading her to become a member of our, our church. Um, when we talked about it, her main concern was, well, what can I offer to the church? She did not want it to be a one-way street. That shows me her heart right there. And so I've talked with her about some things that she can do. Um, and hopefully one day the Lord will give her the strength to be able to come here and, and meet you. But uh, for some reason, uh, right now we feel like this is what the Lord would have her do, and I know that our church will welcome her and minister to her. Thank you, Dr. Cullinan. I have talked with a few others about it's not every day. This is the first time as a pastor that we have had someone join in abstentia. I believe I'm saying that right. And so I would ask, like to ask, what is the pleasure of the church regarding Devron Helgeson? All right. We have a second. All in favor, if you'd say aye. All right. Well, I uh, look forward to opportunities. Talk with me about opportunities where you could go and visit with Devron. I know we have a nursing home ministry uh, that will be certainly uh, open to doing that. Uh, but I know she would love to talk with me, uh, any of you. She is a delight to speak with. And I thought it was a te great testimony of her walk with the Lord when she asked me. She said, well, Keith, what can I give back to you. And the first thing that I said to her was, Devron, if you will share, because I had been with her about 30 minutes at this point, and I said, Devron, if you would share your story with everyone that would come to visit you, I said, that's what I would ask of you right now. And she said, I can do that. And so she would love to share that story with you guys as well. So uh, we welcome her to our fellowship then. Uh, and so uh, we look forward to an opportunity maybe where she can be with us, but continue to pray for her as she struggles with certain health issues. Thank you. Kenny. Please join me in singing the benediction response. May the Spirit bind us together.